1: Locked on, Bucks, I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, and our great friend and number one Bucks beat writer in the world from The Athletic and former host of this podcast, Eric Name. As teased, he is with us. And and I just want to say quickly, there's probably a lot of people that are just saying, what the hell is wrong with Kane today? Why did he just do that? But Eric, it um, was maybe a little bit exaggerated, but let's say your former introduction was something something similar.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was bad. I also think we probably should go back to, you know, the idea of an emergency bar. That, that feels a little bit more accurate for, for what's going on right here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, shout out to anyone that, you know, messed around with me and Frank before uh, you took over. I mean, you've been at it. We were just talking about like almost two years at this point hosting Lockdown Bucks. So uh, shout out to everyone that was there for that. Shout out to everyone that was there for Frank and Steve Von Horn on the initial who podcast, which I think if I remember correctly, like started in 2013, like eight years ago, uh, which is just an insane thing to say. So shouts to everybody.
2: All those podcasts are like, I don't know where they are. They've been. They're on like some deleted server, cloud, something somewhere. I don't know what what happened to them. But um, I don't know. I, I bet we could dig up some of Steve's wraps uh, someplace in uh, in in our emails. So we got to bring Steve back. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw down the gauntlet. Um, I'm gonna message Steve and tell him like this summer, just start working on a wrap, an intro wrap, so that we can then use that to to bring him back. He was at Game Six as well. He was at a couple of the you know, late playoff games. Actually, he flew back from Boston, so I kind of felt like I had to keep up with him. I was like, "Oh man, Steve's Steve's got two kids <laughs> abandoning them." Well, I think he, I think he was part of part of the time he was here with his family because um, his wife's also from uh, from Wisconsin. But uh, but yeah, Steve kind of like I was like, "Oh man, Steve's like making time to fly to Wisconsin multiple times." I got I gotta really kind of get my my butt in gear. But yeah, so there's a long history here of of, of Bucks podcasting and. Happy to have you guys back. Kane. I feel like your, your welcome to Lockdown Bucks was a little more constipated-sounding than than Eric, so you can probably work work through that, maybe. Um, pun not intended, I'm sorry. Let's move on. Um, well, it's but, the point. Uh, everyone, everyone that
1: listened knew what I was doing, and, and so yeah. you have to make it sound as ridiculous as possible, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and today's extra special, because not only are, are we podcasting with Eric, but I, as, as people who are on Twitter may have seen... Uh, we broke breadsticks today together at, uh, at Rockies. um,
1: Bread I got
2: back, I got, yeah, breadsticks, bucks and sticks, uh, hashtag. Um, I, uh, I got back. I was in Milwaukee last week for the game, flew back home, like basically without sleeping after the game, parting through the night and then, uh, drove back with my family for the week, uh, for reasons I won't even try to explain, but we had a previously scheduled trip here. So, so I'm, I'm back and, we were messaging this morning, and I said, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to go get Rockies. Eric, what are you doing? Let's go. And uh, we made it happen. So, yeah, some, some Rockies, now some Bucks podcasting. It's kind of all is right in the world, even if it still feels really bizarre that we're doing this in, you know within one week still of the Bucks winning an NBA championship. But, um, Eric, you tweeted out a picture of um, yourself on the floor amidst the remainders of the confetti so you did not um well i don't know i guess that maybe i should ask this kind of leads into the question you obviously were not partying immediately after the game you had actual work to do this is you know people think sports writing is, is just glamorous um we were talking earlier about some of your travel and planning and just some of the headaches and challenges of doing that with covid testing and all these other things that you have to do um I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think we probably. I'd love to hear you talk and, and give give folks a little bit of a sense of. Obviously, most of us have been following all this. Some of us have been going to some of the games. Kane is literally trapped in his apartment right now in Australia due to COVID. Um, I mean, what has the last few weeks been like for you? Because obviously, it's been a really bizarre year. And Kane, you can chime in too because you've been you know in these Zoom pressers and things like that. But how weird has just the I guess, playoffs and, and following the team been given not only the fact that the Bucks just won a damn championship, which is totally atypical, but also doing it under still very strange circumstances, even though it's kind of weird that they were, I mean, we, we got used to fans being super loud and these crowds, but I mean, we didn't have fans until the play, until the playoffs, which is kind of hard to believe that they, we've only had fans back for, you know, really a, a fairly short period. But I don't know, I mean, what, what sort of your, kind of stands out to you when you think about, these past couple months and just what it's been like to be on this ride following this team through. I mean, one of the, I mean, certainly probably the craziest playoff adventure that we'll ever go through as fans. And um, I think even in the grand scheme of the NBA, just a a really fascinating team with a lot of ups and downs that ultimately ended up with, you know, the ultimate high.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was the, the funniest thing I guess to me is that the bucks winning and then covering everything after it, obviously I wasn't in the locker room. Which is strange, right? Like that's a situation where you're gonna, you know, you dress, you bring a second set of clothes because you know you're gonna get covered in champagne and you're gonna need to change and still do your work and do all of that afterwards. Uh, that wasn't a part of like the calculus, but even that still felt more normal than everything else because at that point, championship is won. Uh, not that there isn't any health and safety protocols to to follow, but like. It, I'm not going to say it was enforced uh, all that strictly after the game is multiple people are kissing a trophy and then passing it to someone else to kiss and do the same Like <laughs> You know, you're at a spot where, okay, I understand the rules exist, but maybe not to the same extent. So, you know, like it was, it was kind of fun to, to be in the spot where like all of a sudden things felt more normal, right? Like Giannis comes in while, bud is up on the is up on the podium and you know he's you know f-bombing everybody saying we blank and did it no one thought we could do it eric you were here from the start people didn't believe they could do it like all this stuff like you're just going through that entire journey and in that moment it feels as close to normal as you can really kind of have as you're watching people walk through the hallways you're, you're You're out there as Giannis walks through with cigars in one hand, uh, the Bill Russell finals trophy in the other, and someone else holding the the Larry O'Brien until he gets it back and gets all three. Like that all felt somewhat normal because at that moment, everyone was just like relaxed. The season was over. Everything was happening. And I mean, before that, everything was strange. It was, it was super weird to be a part of, you know, I, I, I get, taken down to press conferences in Atlanta to to do them in a makeshift room that doesn't normally exist because that's what needs to happen. But I'm one of 10 reporters in the room. And sure, everyone's still on Zoom, but all of a sudden that's different. Before that, it was, you know, I'm in Brooklyn to cover a series and you could be walking around the city of New York and run into someone from the box or the training staff or an assistant coach or whatever it is like you could literally run into someone and you know like I remember during that series I happened to be grabbing coffee in New York one day before a game and you know I saw someone from the organization they're like wait can we can we talk right now like is this allowed is this something that you can do and that was two months ago right like that was the second round. And before that, none of that happened. And it, it is really strange to think through all the things that coverage and the way that it changed. And honestly, the fact that, you know, I'm sitting in, uh, you know, game five of the, the NBA finals in Phoenix, as Sam Emick told this story on the tampering pod over at the athletic, but, you know, I have a dude right behind me, Uh, screaming at me. And the way that he's screaming at me is he's reading all of my tweets. So I could be writing, the Bucks are on a 9-2 run, getting back into the game, whatever it might be. And at the top of his lungs, literally like right on top of me, the Bucks are on a 9-2 run. And like just on top of you. And it's this surreal moment where you're like, hey, I haven't seen a fan in in forever. And now this dude is breathing on my neck, screaming the tweets I'm writing as I write them. And it's like, oh yeah, fans are back. And this is just normal. So I mean, it's an absolutely insane journey and an absolutely insane year for the Bucks to win a championship. And, and I guess maybe that's fitting, right? Like if, if the Bucks are somehow going to do it, it should be the most insane year possible.
1: Well, I think like, it's interesting you say that because it has been fascinating to watch how this season played out. And to some extent it did feel like the NBA just opened the floodgates and there's a lot of factors to this. And we understand the situation in us, but it does feel like it got to the playoffs and every team was like, and I think back to some of the teams at the start of the postseason that were like, all right, we've got 50% cap. But then the team they were playing in the series said hundred percent. And the team was like, that's it. Let the fans in. (laughs) We we need this home court advantage. So we saw that the floodgates really opened in this situation, but from the, and, and I will say this, if the Milwaukee Bucks were ever going to win a championship, I feel like last year would have been the year. I mean, you have to be pretty thankful that this year was the year, even though it was a little bit weird that you could still have the fans, you could still have the parade. But while we are talking about COVID, I'll, I'll ask for your insight or, or what was going through your head just a couple of days out from game six, right? Because we think about Phoenix. Chris Paul obviously tested positive, or was in the health and safety protocols during the conference finals. I think that it would be fair to say that there was a lot of Bucks fans out there that had some really anxious moments when Thanassus gets put in the health and safety protocols. And I remember I mentioned this on the pod, but I remember reading a story from AP. It might've been Steve McGargy who does work in Milwaukee, but his whole story was about the COVID situation and Bud saying, we all have to be really careful. And I remember reading that thinking this is very strange. Like why is this story coming out right now after four games of the NBA finals. And the next thing I wake up in the morning and Tanasis is in the protocol. So what, what was that like in terms of what the people were talking about at the arena, around the team, and really, quite frankly, the genuine panic that may have started to set in with what it could mean for Giannis?
0: Yeah, I mean, so as the series is going on, it, it really felt like, and and I know Sam Amick has written about this over at the athletic and the reason why, you know, he started asking some of those questions was, you know, as the series continued, it felt like, and again, this is just a feeling this isn't, you know, this isn't the actual protocols or everything. It felt like everything was being taken more seriously as the series went on. that it was, Hey, masks need to be worn hey, you can only be in these sections like as media members you're going to an open practice. I mean, like the first day, walk around, do whatever you want, have a great time, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're a couple games into the series and you walk down this aisle, like you walk down this aisle, you can go two sections over but no further. You need to stay in these areas. This is the only place you can go. It very much felt like, uh, you know, we saw the restrictions get loosened up and then in the finals, it's, Hey, whatever goes. And then very quickly it comes back the other direction and it's back to all of that. And that was, you know, some of the reporting Sam was doing. And obviously you saw the bucks have a number of things, right? Like you have Jim Paschke who's out, uh, with COVID you have Giannis talking about, uh, Patrick St. Andrews that is out and wasn't able to be with the team. Obviously Josh Oppenheimer was not with the team for a couple of days, uh, so all of this is happening. And I think you could feel from the league in a, like an impending sense of doom of, are we actually going to get this thing in? Like, are we actually going to be able to get this thing done? And, and then obviously I think the capper is, you know, Thanasis being entered into the health and safety protocols because, uh, you know, as I asked Bud that day, I was like, he hugs Giannis every three to five minutes. Like <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Like
0: uh, you're gonna tell me this dude is in like the health and safety protocols, and the guy that he hugs all the time is not. Like, how is that how is that gonna be possible? And then you know, if you go to the next level and the next level, it's like, well, Josh Oppenheimer is the guy that he does all of his workouts with. And you know, if you hear that Patrick St. Andrews was not with the team or whatever it was, like you know, Saint is out there with all those guys at the same time. Like Saint is the one you can see all the videos like contesting Chris Middleton jumpers. And very quickly you start to like put it all together in your head and you're like, okay, this this was everywhere. That is why, you know, you hear Bud being like, Well, you gotta be very careful and you gotta make sure that you know we're following the protocols and we get to the finish line. And I mean, it was it was truly just this strange experience where you know, around the team, I think everyone got, like, really tight and was just hoping, like, all right, Giannis is cleared for game five. Let's hope that Giannis is cleared for game six. Like, it, you know, you're taking tests all along the way and, you know, as much as we know about COVID, we still don't know everything about it. So, you know, if you happen to be, negative for game five that doesn't necessarily mean you're automatically negative for game six you could still be positive so it, let's it ends up the being, job huh let's finish right, the job yeah right like you just get to the spot where it's like uh who knows like maybe it could happen and i don't know it was this really strange feeling where like you said kane everything got loosened up everything felt like you know we gotta it's the finals you gotta have the the fans back you gotta have the home court advantage and then as it went on it just felt like everyone was kind of like okay are we actually going to be able to get this thing done and obviously the the league finished it up the finals are over the bucks ended up winning but like i do think there was you know a real sense of concern about whether or not they are going to be able to finish it off and get this thing through the finish line
1: okay now it's time for a note from our longtime sponsors rock auto because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait? while well, the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Uh, Rock Auto has everything you need from... Uh, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto parts needs. Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
2: So Eric, you did. Um, you had a piece after the parade. Um, I think people who follow you on Twitter may have seen kind of some of your pictures. You were basically embedded in in the parade. By the way, I didn't tell you this earlier, but as you were describing it, like you were like you know walking alongside the buses. But for some reason, the image, <laughs> the image I had that sprung to mind is: Have you guys ever seen the 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 footage of? Um, this is a really weird place to take this, but Kim Jong Un's like limo. Where like the security that's guards? That's exactly like, sprint, what I was thinking. No, <laughs> they they got like an have got like like security people. With it. Yeah. Right, they sprint along. So if anybody's not familiar with this weird North Korean dictator reference that I'm using on our good friend Eric, name now, uh, Google it. Just these people on foot sprinting next to a limo because that's you know helpful. Um, so you obviously were there for that, and then the next day uh, you had a great story. Um, and again, if people are not subscribing to the athletic, like Eric, I I try to tweet it out, like the ones that I think are really standouts. I think generally your analysis, like game to game is awesome. You cut video, you do all this great stuff that I think makes us all smarter, sort of, you know, um, consumers of, of basketball. But then you also will have these pieces and really great reported pieces where you know you give us a glimpse of kind of like, you know, especially Giannis over the years, you've had a number of one-on-ones with Giannis, which I think have you know, really provide a really interesting insight into who he is, how he thinks, Um, you know, like one that comes to mind was after the Raptors loss, you had a really interesting kind of view into his psyche after that. And you had um, similarly, I think a really got him to really open up and, and kind of provide again, sort of a a glimpse into the way he thinks um, from right after the parade. Uh, And I kind of wanted to just ask you, I mean, you know, there's been all these people, and I think even, you know, casual Bucks fans to some extent, um, have really gotten to see Giannis's personality and the way he carries himself publicly and kind of his mindset on full blast during these last especially the last like call it last two rounds of the playoffs, in ways that certainly like, you know, I think a lot of diehard fans, you know, will watch the interview clips on Bucks on the you know, the Bucks Twitter feed or on Bucks.com. So a lot of us have seen a lot of Giannis interviews and I mean, I find him just such a fascinating person in that he is on the one hand, like extremely proud and driven. And he, I mean, he absolutely has an ego. Like he absolutely is proud and confident in what he's capable of, but then he also has this disarming humility and willingness to I think we've seen him sort of willingness to open up and show a degree of vulnerability that is very authentic and he's and I think that's one of the biggest things that we've seen and that I I, that I love about this playoff run in which I feel like one of the great things about this is it really became Giannis's playoffs even before the 50-point game even before you know the Drew Steele and and Alu you know what he was doing on the floor and then the way he was carrying himself off the floor and the kinds of he was he was giving us kind of a glimpse into the world I thought was really interesting. I just kind of wanted to ask you, you know, you've sort of seen Giannis and, and Kane, you can obviously chime in here too because you've been in, you know, these Zoom calls for however long as well. Provide some thoughts. I mean, is, is it really just a matter of this is the same Giannis that we've been getting and it's just the rest of the world is just finally seeing it and he's getting a championship. So obviously the emotional reaction is going to be different after you've climbed the mountaintop versus, you know, trying to get there and stumbling off and having the setbacks. Do you think we've seen kind of like a real evolution of the way sort of Giannis views the world, the way he treats the media, the way he interacts with um, the rest of the NBA, or um, is this just, again, just shining a light on something that was always there?
0: I think it's really tough because obviously at the start of Giannis's career, there's a massive language barrier. Like he understands English, he can speak it, but, you know, he even mentioned in the finals, like, you know, there's times where I was worried I was going to say something stupid because I just didn't know the language well enough to feel confident at all times. So, uh, you know, I think naturally, like the first couple of years of Giannis, we're going to be more guarded. We're going to be... um and maybe not even purposefully, just like he he didn't necessarily know how to emote what he was feeling, he didn't know how to actually say these things and express these things so I, I do think there is a natural evolution that we've seen from him as he's gotten more and more comfortable in the language um you know I think there's there was always like these glimmers in you know these these small instances that would show you those things you know as I told you today when we were talking about it like he's always been able to talk basketball. Like that's always been something he's good at. Like he can, you can talk about the weak side, the strong side. He can talk about protecting the rent. Like basketball was always something he was comfortable talking with. And that's a a somewhat universal language. So he was always comfortable that there. And then, you know, he starts to add in the dad jokes uh, and he starts to like figure out like, okay, this is what comedic timing looks like. And this is how, you know, I can make people laugh. And it's like a little bit of like a jokester, but also then all of that kind of opened him up to, you know, being able to understand all these feelings and emotions and how to properly express it to, you know, during the finals, I kept having people come up and again, like, it's like a smaller media horde. So it's not going to be like everyone, but you know, all those 20 people, like some of them came up and were just like, is this what he's always like? And, you know, I think on, Under Mike Bunoz, I think largely he has been. Like, I I think once Giannis was confident enough and mature enough to feel like he can express himself, I think we have seen this dude talk about, like, I don't want to say philosophy, but, like, in some ways, philosophy and psychology and kind of, like, how he views things. Like, you know, this has always been something I think he can – he can kind of understand. And I think he's also been someone that, that really understands his legacy. Like I remember, so the year he leads the team in all five categories, right? Blocks, steals, assists, points, rebounds, all of it, all five categories, he leads them. And, you know, he didn't have like the best finish this season. He didn't get a lot of attention and the year after it, you know, I asked him like, you know, this feels like the start of, you know, possible MVP seasons. And he's, I mean, as plain as day, he's just like Eric. You're like you can't win an MVP without winning 50 games. Like that's not how this works. And I just think he's always had. He always knows what's going on around him. He understands the situations better than anyone else possibly in them. And now he's to a spot where he feels comfortable enough with himself to to let those things out publicly and and to talk about those things. And I mean, honestly, I thought the finals revealed like his greatest power is that he doesn't care. Like he doesn't care what you think. And, you, and throughout the finals, I had multiple media members come up to me and ask like, you know, why does he take those threes? Like, can't he just get rid of them? And it's like, well, he doesn't care what you think. Like, he doesn't care that you don't like them. And you know, when he airballs a free throw, he doesn't care that people chant airball. He's going to shoot the next one. He's going to get to the line. Like he just doesn't care what you think. And that allows him to be, as you said, I don't know if vulnerable is the right word, but like to be more open about how he's feeling. And I just think the the fact that he's been able to harden his outer shell in that way, that he doesn't feel those things, but then also still let you in is just kind of this skill that I think is so incredibly difficult to master. Um, But then also he knows audiences. He understands who he's talking to in He understands who's going to see when he's talking. Like, you know, there's a reason why he might drop an F-bomb with me and he's not going to do it on the stage because he knows it's not appropriate in that moment. But he does know that, okay, if it's someone I trust and they know what I'm doing, okay, maybe I can be a little bit more open or cocky or less humble or whatever it is. Like I just think he is fully aware of everything that he does. He's fully aware of everyone moving around him and what they are trying to do and how they are trying to operate. And what you know thereafter whether it's a soundbite or whatever it might be, like I, I just think his awareness of the situation, his awareness of himself, and you know the comfort he has in his own skin is is really what sets him apart and makes him kind of who he is.
1: Time for a quick note from Bet Online now, uh, fabulous sponsors of the show. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action over at Bet Online. But it's not just baseball. You can get all the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs, including the leagues that are now a little bit away from starting. NBA, NFL, NHL. You can also track UFC and MMA MMA action over at Bet Online as well. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on that's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you hit on a bunch of different things there, which I think all come back to maturity, right? And, and not only maturity, but becoming comfortable in his own skin and being comfortable with being a superstar, which I think from where he came from, if you think about his rookie season, that's an incredible transition to become a two-time MVP and a superstar. And not only that, he went through, to me, the, the transition of being, well, everyone loves this guy. What a story. This guy is unbelievable to This guy sucks. This guy can't win a championship. This guy can't get it done. And, and how quickly that happened was remarkable. So I, I thought last year, before the season shut down, when, when we were both still actually able to go to practices – the thing that stands out to me was that in the first practice session and then the second practice session, and anytime there was a national TV game, the reporters would come in, what's going on with your contract? And he would always say, I don't want to talk about it. But you could see that it was annoying. Like it was annoying for him. That was not a conversation that he wanted to have. He's always been a guy that just wanted to play basketball. And I think the way that that season ended, I think with the bubble and obviously the disappointment there, and it was a terrible ending to that season, I I don't know whether it was signing the contract. I don't know how much of it was the conversations that he had with Bud, perhaps signing the contract, the extension, and then not having that pressure on him, the introduction of a calming presence like Drew Holiday. Like, I'm, I'm not sure. My sense is that it was probably a factor of everything. But when you talk about him how carefree he's been and sometimes you know this like you hear something in a press conference and you're like okay all right you, you just lost this game you're awful don't tell me you don't care about it because i know that you care about it but the longer it went on he stuck with that through the postseason and everyone made such a big deal out of the converse, uh, the comment that he made i don't know if we're going to be better i don't know if we're going to beat miami but he was consistent with that throughout and the thing that makes me believe that it was real was that you actually never saw panic. You never saw panic on the court. This team obviously had to conquer the Miami series. Then they were down against Brooklyn. They were down by 49 points in game two. There was still no panic. They were losing 3-2. Same with the Atlanta series and then through to the NBA finals. So I think the maturity is is the big thing. I think it comes in, in a number of factors, but uh, I it's 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 a different it is a different Giannis to to where he was a couple of years ago and I wonder if it's just the evolution of of becoming a superstar and dealing with that pressure and and yeah becoming kind of a target the the target for negative criticism
0: I mean I as I told Frank today I wish I would have had more time to talk with Giannis after the parade um but you know he was pretty blunt about how he felt about his time in the bubble. Like just reading some of those, those quotes right now, I was miserable. I was miserable. I'm going through pictures and I look at myself in the bubble. I was, I was basically sad. I was sad, you know? And to me that was just such an unnatural situation for Giannis where he's always been so focused on, on the game in getting wins and losses and the results, and I mean, for years, you knew what it was going to look like in a locker room after a game. You knew you were going to walk in, and if they won, Giannis would probably be having a good time, giving some guys some shit about whatever it might be. But you know, he was going to be at his debt, or he's going to be at his uh, his locker, and he was going to be sitting down with his with his feet iced up, and he was going to be just doing his thing. And if they lost, he was going to be in that same spot and he was going to have a box score in his hand and he was going to be looking at it 30 times and staring at it, staring a hole through it. Tanasis will be out.
1: yelling some shit. Tanasis will be yelling some shit at him.
0: Right. And like he's just going to be sitting there reading the same thing over and over again. It doesn't matter how how simple the stats were. It didn't, none of that mattered. He was going to sit there for 30 minutes and stare at that thing and just stew over that loss. And I just think when you go into the bubble, you don't have your normal locker room. You don't have the ability to escape it. You know, I just think a lot of it was, hey, you know, we just lost this game. Typically in Milwaukee, you could go back home. You could get away from it. You could go play with Liam. You could do whatever you want. But, in the bubble, you would run into the guy that beat you at lunch. You would run into that guy on the bike trail you like whatever it might be, you were gonna see that dude again or something that reminded you of that dude or any of the fifteen dudes on that team or the fifteen coaches that they have or the fifteen trains like you were gonna see someone in a polo of that team like. You could not escape it. And I just think that led to a spot where he was really uncomfortable. He did not enjoy it. As he said, he was miserable. He was sad. He just was like not, he couldn't be himself. And and honestly, if we're talking about like, you know, it was Giannis different or whatever, like I think that situation helped him grow a little bit and helped him like understand just how much this can suck if you get over consumed with it. Like if you're always thinking about this stuff, that's what this shit can be like. And granted, when you're back home, you can leave, you can go home. You you don't have to do it in the same way. Or even if, you know, during COVID protocols, you're on the road, you can still be in your hotel room. You can, you can escape it, but in the bubble, you couldn't. And I, I do think that was part of him realizing just how unhealthy it can be if you focus that much on every loss, if you think that much about basketball, and that's always been something that Giannis has said he struggles with, right? Like you you think back to the first time he hurt his knee and he was freaked out about it. It was because he got back to work too quickly after the season. And if you think back to like all of the times that, you know, he said what he's got to do better, it was, you know, trying to not be so consumed with these things and try to like take time off and, and take time away from the game. I remember one of my first, like bigger stories at ESPN. has been walking, was him talking about playing chess because he was looking for a way to take his mind off of the game. Because if he's thinking about where to move the pawns, he has to think about that. And he can't think about his jumper or his free throw routine or whatever it might be. Like that's always been something he struggled with in the bubble was this like massive neon lights flashing reminder. Like, you are a basketball player and you cannot escape this shit. And I just think that was so big for him that he was able to now go somewhere else and, and think about different things. And that was a really good reminder of how unhealthy that could be. And, and I think that really contributed to kind of the spot that he is in now mentally.
2: It's funny. Cause if you think about the, the bubble, um, you know, nominally I think by the end of that, um, mariah and liam were there i assume his mom was was there as well um his brothers were there you know uh than, us and Costas the entire time you know those rachel nichols of that feature with them like playing whatever they were playing the board game whatever so it's like on the one hand you could say nominally like well Giannis. i mean you're not like a partier anyway like you know eventually you know his, his his son was not there initially right that you had to they had to wait a while to get that but it's interesting because, I mean, it's like on, on the face of you, can like, well, Giannis, I mean, you had a better situation than, than a lot of players, and your personality, it seems like, would lend itself better to that because it's not like Giannis is going to the club, you know, every night, and that's just sort of like his, his routine. So I think it's just interesting how, you know, like you could tell by his comments to you, like, I mean, he wasn't making excuses. Like, it's, it's not a coincidence. He, he really did not go to that until he won a championship this year. Um, it's like he didn't want to really use that as an excuse last year. But um, but yeah, I mean, it just sort of speaks to how weird and, and hard the bubble was. And I thought kind of picking up on, you know, what you guys are both sort of pointing towards, it did feel like he sort of got to, I don't know, inner peace maybe is is too broad a, a or grandiose a term for it. But it did seem like he just sort of, I don't know if, if, let go of things he couldn't control or he he kind of seemed to reach kind of a, a better sense of you know kind of like what he was saying during, during that famous pressure of, you know sort of just focusing on the moment and not letting kind of the noise bother him and i think i have to think that signing the extension you know basically at the start of the season which spared him from having to go through kind of eric what you were alluding to last year you know, where the national folks show up and it's like, that's what everybody wants to ask. Um, I have to think that just sort of taking that off the board and being able to focus on kind of the team and, you know, knowing like, all right, the last two years kind of were reference points for everything moving forward. And, um, you know, understanding that there's not anything linear about progression in the NBA, right? I think certainly this Bucks team is, you know, a great example of how, nonlinear progress can be for, for an NBA team. Um, yeah, it just seemed like he was, just seemed like he kind of was, was in a much better place mentally, even if at times, you know, it could have been mistaken for sort of aloofness, right? Like the comment about not being sure if, you know, if things will be different, you know, I mean, whatever, some people tried to make a little bit more of that than I think we would say really was worth doing. Uh, but to me, that just sort of indicated that, you know, Hey, He's gonna con- he, He's gonna control what he can control, and you know he's still the same Giannis. But um, you know, it's it's it's. I think a, there was some, probably some shift in mindset, and and it also, I think, maybe was part of the reason we got. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if it's my favorite Giannis, off court moment, but definitely one of my favorite ones. His monologue in Tampa, uh, the day of the first Raptors game in Tampa, where he. Had his, I'm getting old and weird, uh, rant, <laughs> uh, which was just one of the great examples of sort of Giannis's humor mixed with like there was actually some philosophical thought that that actually was 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 interesting and valuable in there. Um, just just Google Giannis old and weird if you want if you haven't seen this this video. But basically, it's just him sitting by himself uh, after practice or something before the first game against the Raptors in Tampa. And he's talking about, you know, how he, he was really looking forward to experiencing Tampa, I think is what he said, but they can't do anything because of COVID. And, you know, he's just basically sitting there alone and how he's old and weird. And, you know, sometimes people aren't going to be there to prop you up and tell you how great you are. And it's, it's, it's funny. And eventually, you know, it's obvious he's like putting on a show for the Bucks social media person who had the good fortune of, of, being there to capture the moment um, and he, you know, starts busting out laughing sort of at the end. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of thing. I mean, he's always had that sort of, you know, goofy pen, kind of that goofy side, which again, is sort of like the another example of, of, of how he's this person of contrast and that we know he's got the maniacal focus and work ethic and drive, but then he's also got this kind of goofball sort of humor to him, which You know there was that other that other clip where I think him and and Tucker are kind of messing around with free throws at the end of a practice during the playoffs, and you know he's talking about you know I airball free throws, airball two free throws. I've been you know down so low and nowhere to go, but you know and and again just sort of you know kind of joking, but I think that's kind of the brilliance of Giannis is that you know sometimes the moments when he's joking or saying I'm kidding, he's also giving you kind of some of his truest thoughts and, and there's a real insight into sort of how he thinks. And, you know, again, sort of that, that authenticity, which I think is what has made him, especially this off season resonate with just such a broader audience. And maybe he's had a chance to connect with previously. I think that's just been a really fun thing to sort of come out of all this. And I mean, he's always been a guy that had this huge, hugely positive approval rating. Um, Obviously, Bucks fans, you know, he's like you know a child to Bucks fans, right? Like we saw him when he was eighteen, and you know he endeared us, and you know it's it's this incredible relationship between Bucks fans and him. But even regular fans, I mean, it's it's again, it's hard. I mean, of course, there's like the haters and you know sort of people who for some reason like James Harden, blah blah blah. But um, but he's obviously always had sort of the benefit of the doubt from a lot of people just because of his story and you know just the way he plays. I mean, he's so. Freaking could at the end of the day, but it was fun seeing this run sort of cap all that to the point where, you know, he's unassailable, he's unimpeachable, you know, I mean, Bill Simmons podcast was like immortal night, right? Like game six performance. I mean, it really did. I mean, again, the, we can always find ways to raise the bar, right? If you win one championship and do crazy things by the age of 26, then the next thing is going to be well by, you know, 30, Jordan had done this, this, and this. I mean, they, we can always find a higher bar to connect, sort of, you know, compare you against, but um, but it was just as I think that, I think that's, I think as as a Bucks fan, I think that's one of the really most enjoyable aspects of this. Not only is it just kind of, yes, the franchise that, you know, many of us have followed for a long time wins, but this specific guy, um, and I personally, I don't know how you guys feel, but, you know, when when LeBron went to Miami, I rooted for him in, when he won his first championship. And I think for a second too, um, because there's something about it just felt correct. Like I love seeing greatness rewarded with a championship. And I hate the cynicism that so often, you know, kind of hangs over great athletes, like a cloud, you know, like the Charlie Brown character, who's a pen, pig, pig pen, pen. you know, that kind of walks around with the cloud of smell or whatever. And it just feels like, you know, there's the Skip Bayless and whoever else, you know, pig pen cloud that floats over like every good athlete where it's like we always got to question something or whatever. And I think that to me was in many ways kind of, you know, and, and to some extent, you know, you could say something about Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday or Brooke Lopez, right? Like the monkey coming off the back, the, you know, pressure release that came with winning a championship, I think is just to the extent that we can feel and Eric, obviously, I mean, you, you're the closest to having like a true relationship with some of these guys. But I think we'd all say it's not like any of us are friends with these dudes or we're not, we're not hanging out with any of these guys right at the end of the day. But um, but I think again, the grand scheme of things there there was, you know, I think a real satisfaction seeing Giannis first and foremost, but really these other guys also in their own way, you know, validate what obviously many of us had hoped and, you know, wanted to give them credit for being the types of players they were. And obviously there's no better validation than, Playing the roles that they had in winning an NBA championship. So I don't know. I don't know, Kane. I don't know where that leaves us, Eric. I don't know where that.
1: All right. We're going to wrap it up there for part one. It's just part one of the chat, but with. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. And that is the end of part one of the chat with Eric and Frank as we continue to roll through. The coverage of the Bucks NBA championship. Make sure you stick with the feed tomorrow and get the second half of this chat. We continue to to dive into all the inside stuff from the Bucks championship-winning stuff. We talk about Chris Milton. We talk about the the different ways that a championship run can be swayed by different moments, different sliding door situations that happen. And of course, we talk about Mike Budenholzer as well, and just the general general riffraff that goes on when Frank. Eric and myself uh, get together here. Uh, Don't forget our draft show locked on NBA live draft show, July 29, 7 PM Eastern time. You can get that on YouTube. Chad Ford's going to be there. John Corrales and all the local experts. So make sure you check out that show on the locked on NBA YouTube channel. You'll be able to watch the NBA draft live, which is only a couple of days away here. But for now we will leave it there for Eric, for Frank, myself, We'll catch you guys tomorrow as this conversation continues.